Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. Christ is risen. So a few years ago, and quite a few years behind pretty much everybody else in our culture, the philosophy of postmodernism hit the church in America, particularly evangelicalism. And it became very trendy due to a series of books written by a now former pastor, and it's later embraced by younger ministers tired of what they saw as rigid fundamentalism. And in some cases, what they had experienced was rigid fundamentalism. But what postmodern brought to the theological conversation and study and interpretation of scripture, it's brought a lot of confusion. And, and far from being this new way of looking at the church, or this new way of being the church, this new way of reading and understanding the scriptures, the movement that it started is kind of defunct now. But it, it's also kicked up a lot uh, of unhelpful stuff. It has some utility, but generally speaking, its legacy hasn't been very good. One of the fallouts due to the ideas as espoused by postmodernism is the belief that there is no truth with a capital T. There are only truths, and these truths are dependent on, on well, okay, so I'll give you an example, right? This is a, Jen's going to roll her eyes at me right now, right? So remember, we all remember when we're watching, and this is spoilers, but the movie is from like 1986, so you have no excuse, right? So in the movie Return of the Jedi, Luke is having a conversation with the force ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Luke confronts him and says, hey, you told me that Darth Vader betrayed and murdered my father, not that Darth Vader was actually my father. And Obi-Wan Kenobi said, well, this is why. The good man that I thought was, that he was, you know, he died and this evil guy rose up. So what I told you was true from a certain point of view. And then Luke is like, what are you talking about a certain point of view? You lied to me, old man. And Obi-Wan's like, many of the truths that we find ourselves clinging to depend on our own point of view. And this is a nice little nutshell of what postmodernism is. There are no, cap there's no capital T truth. There are only truths. And even all of these other truths can be viewed with suspicion. There's also a distrust of what are called meta-narratives. Now, please stick with me here, okay? <laughs> meta-narratives are large, overarching, controlling stories that help us to make sense of the world. But one of the things postmodernism did was it broke those meta-narratives up, seeing them as untrustworthy, as untrue. I don't mean to make this a sermon about postmodern philosophy, but... I was reminded of meta-narratives and this distrust of meta-narratives and not there being one capital T truth, but multiple truths. What's me, true for me, true for you, your truth, my truth. Embrace your truth. You embrace your truth. Garbage. <laughs> anyway, I was reminded of this in my experiences in seminary where they had tried to teach us this sort of evangelical postmodern way of reading and interpretive scripture. 
And when I read this portion from Luke's gospel, something jumped out at me because the resurrected Jesus, he appears to two disciples while they're walking on the road and he actually gives them what seems to be a controlling meta-narrative for making sense that everything that has happened to him through a close reading of the Hebrew scriptures. So I've entitled this sermon's this sermon, Musings on Meta-Narratives, or Meta-Narratives and Misunderstandings. In today's reading from Luke's Gospel, we have two disciples of Jesus. One of them is unnamed, and the other one is a person named Cleopas. They had left Jerusalem and journeying to the nearby village of Emmaus, um, they were on their way there. We, and we know from the Gospels that Jesus had more than 12 disciples, right? We know that he had a lot more. He had 70. But the 12 were the inner core. And then even in his inner core, he had an inner, inner core of Peter, James, and John at the very center. So two of his followers, not of the 12, were traveling. And it begins with this section, that very day. So we should think to ourselves, well, what very day? Well, the day of the resurrection, Right? But also the day of the risen Jesus is appearing to the women at the tomb, and Peter's going to the tomb to see it empty. So while all of this is going on, the scene shifts between to these two men who are going to have their own encounter with the risen Jesus. Jesus joins them and walks with them for a while. And while they're talking, it says that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Jesus asks them, hey, what are you talking about, guys? And they respond with, uh, duh, don't you know? Like, everybody knows. Where have you been? <laughs> they tell him the story of what happened to him, still not realizing who he is. And they talk about how his death is still fresh in their mind. And it said that they were sad and they were disappointed because they believed he was going to be the one who would save Israel. Because in their mind, they have this idea of a conquering king, an idealized return of a David-type ruler who would rescue them from the Romans and unite them all once again. But in this, their eyes anyway, it didn't happen. But then they tell Jesus, the women went to Jesus' tomb and they didn't find his body there and said an angel said that he has been raised. And Jesus responded to them, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Right, this should be clue number one that this is Jesus, right? That they're talking to him. He doesn't mince words at all in the Gospels. He then gives them a doctoral-level seminar on the Messiah. It says this, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all of the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So Jesus, using the Hebrew scriptures, which they, as the Jews of that time, would have been familiar with and that they know, he shows them how their scriptures lay out his identity, his mission, and his resurrection. They had heard the prophets read, but they had failed to grasp what the prophets and the Torah were testifying to. They were all testifying to Jesus. We could call this then, brothers and sisters, the grand meta-narrative of Scripture, the unveiling and the revealing of Jesus Christ. The Bible is comprised of many different genres of books, you have poetry and wisdom and narrative and law and prophecy, but we see that it all works together to show how God has made himself known in Christ. 
and God's work of bringing salvation to his wayward children. Now, there's been a tendency to try and get even the most obscure passages to have a direct one-to-one reference to Jesus, but that's not what I'm referring to here. Even though Scripture speaks with many different voices, all of those voices testify to God's saving acts in Jesus Christ. It lays out this grand meta-narrative then, this controlling story that's not a, a, a false story, but it's the only true story, the truest of all true stories, that we shape our lives around. It lays out the grand meta-narrative that grants us our redemption. It lays out the grand meta-narrative that is ultimate truth with a capital T because it has been given to us by God, mediated through his people. But his own people were blind to it. Jesus' own followers were blind to it. But when were their eyes open to it? And when were their eyes open to Jesus? At the breaking of the bread. They arrive at their destination and they ask Jesus to remain with them. And as they sit down to eat, commentators note that Jesus takes the place of host, right? And the master of the feast. Even though he kind of followed along with them and talked to them, even though they asked him to stay, when they sit down to dinner, Jesus takes the position of the host, He takes the bread, he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he gives it to them. What happens? It says, their eyes were opened. They recognized him finally in the reception of the bread. And when you read the church fathers, they're pretty much unanimous that this is a reference to the Eucharist. When I was studying for this, I read someone who wrote that this couldn't be a reference to that because they weren't reclining at the table after the main meal. This is, but brothers and sisters, this is why the church fathers are so important to us in reading and understanding and interpreting scripture because the framework that we use, they laid out for us. Jesus is revealed to the two disciples in the Eucharist after explaining to them in the scriptures how those scriptures testify to them. He then vanishes from their sight and they immediately freak out, and rightly so. It says that very hour they returned to Jerusalem, right? They didn't even wait. They'd just been journeying for hours, walking and talking with Jesus, who's giving them, you know, a master class, right? This is the new thing right on YouTube now. Master classes led by, you know, Gordon Ramsay will teach you how to cook. Master classes by Aaron Sorkin on how to write dialogue. Jesus is giving them a master class on biblical <laughs> interpretation. And when their eyes are opened to, hearing, to, to seeing him in the breaking of the bread and, and him teaching them the scriptures, right? Notice you have those two things together, right? You have the preaching of the word of God, the teaching of the word of God, showing Christ in the word of God. And then you also have Christ being revealed to them in the breaking of the bread through the sacraments, right? Christ is revealed to them. Jesus is revealed after explaining to them in the scriptures how the scriptures testify to them and after they receive the bread. He vanishes. They run to Jerusalem, right? They run. They don't even wait. That journey that they just took, this is so monumental that they just can't, they have to go. They have to run. They have to tell everybody what had happened. This this divine grand narrative, narrative then, brothers and sisters, is only viewable, it's only available 
by those whose eyes have been opened by Christ through sharing in his word and his broken body and shed blood. This is so important for us because there's a link between our own spiritual life and our ability to read and understand and see Jesus in Scripture. Only after their encounter with the risen Jesus could they see Jesus in front of them and in their own texts. Only after their reception of divine grace were they able to recognize Jesus. And this is key because there are many who interact with and read and interpret Scripture. Many people. But only those transformed by Christ can understand its testimony. Only those whose lives have been transformed through an encounter with Jesus Christ will be able to see truly what is going on in the scriptures and how it testifies to Jesus Christ. If one is not a believer in Christ, then the text of the Bible will forever appear removed, obscure, and fractured. And I, I like to think of us, brothers and sisters, we are all on the road journeying as well. You know, as the church, we walk with one another in mutual love and care, but in another sense, we're also taking our own road. And Jesus meets us on the road. And we, brothers and sisters, we are the foolish ones, like these two disciples, who constantly miss out on what God is doing right in front of us. When we come to the chalice to dip our bread into the wine, we often miss Jesus standing there in front of us, giving us his body for our own body's cleansing and healing. For each and every one of us sitting here and watching online, we have all seemingly randomly run into Jesus on the road. He, through his church, he walked with us. He explained to us his identity and task. But many of us, instead of asking him to turn aside and to stay with us, Tell us more. The two disciples said, did our hearts not burn within us as he spoke to us through the scriptures? But many of us, instead of asking Jesus to turn aside, many of us, like what Peter says from we heard on the reading in Acts, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Instead of repenting, instead of turning to Christ, instead of receiving Christ in baptism, we put it off. We turn aside and our unbelief causes us to ask him to leave, to keep walking while we turn aside to whatever it is that grabs our attention, whatever fancies us for the moment. We are blind to Jesus standing right in front of us. But when we walk with Christ, and when we ask Christ to abide with us, we find that our lives are given focus. We find our eyes being opened. We find new meaning in our journey. And we are open to receiving the transforming life that Christ gives to all people. And so, brothers and sisters, as Peter said, you have been born anew not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. And so to the word of God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be all glory, together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy good.
and life-creating spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to check us out online, zionstoneucc.com, or on our Facebook page, zionstoneucc. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman. If you want to get a hold of me, shoot me an email at malandsman at gmail.com or through our social media page, like I just mentioned. If you could take a couple minutes, we would appreciate it if you went to a GoFundMe we've set up, gofundme.com slash savezionstone, in order to donate towards some big repairs that we need to have done to the church. So if you could donate anything, we would greatly appreciate it. If you're in the area, come worship with us. Our services are at 1015 and our Sunday school is at 9 a.m. Thank you so much again for listening. May God bless you.